0: Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Onward by the restless tide of time, we are born. Those were the words that began a sermon preached in 1910 on this topic, What Will a Man Give in Exchange for His Soul? The sermon was presented by Chet Earnhardt's great-grandfather. I was fascinated with it It was handwritten manuscript in the greatest print of the time you can imagine, or script of the time. Beautiful handwriting. The entire manuscript sermon. And I was struck with the idea that what he said in 1910 is just as powerful... As we sit here in 2022, I have a number of quotes, but I want you to think with me about this topic as we launch our new year and think about drinking from the spiritual rock. What will it profit? to gain the whole world and lose your soul. He said imagine you are at Niagara. And as you stand on the shore, you see as far as the eye can see every man, woman and child in a boat, their own boat. Floating down that river, headed toward that inevitable drop. And you're horrified. Because you know what is coming. And you run up the stream to meet those people, and as boats pass, you are encouraging them to turn around and they say, oh, there's really nothing out there. It's all a big joke. Others say, we have plenty of time. Leave us alone. And others say, we're having a lot of fun. I think we'll be okay just leave us alone. And then you watch. As he said, in 1910, every minute, 63 people went over the edge of that falls. And you realize, this life is temporary. Think with me, if you will, what Jesus did in Mark chapter 8. In his sermon, he emphasized some things we're going to talk about in a minute, but notice, if you will, the question that Jesus posed toward the end of this chapter I think was timed well based on what happened in the rest of the chapter. The chapter opens there in Mark chapter 8. Jesus was walking around teaching and preaching, and there were many people who followed Him. There were multitudes that followed Him place to place. On this occasion, he had been preaching and teaching for a while, and it came time to eat. In fact, they had not eaten for three days. Can you imagine sitting and listening to Bible preaching the things of God for three days without even eating? Jesus had a charisma. And a presentation and a word that drew those people in. But now it is time to eat. And what do we have? Well, we have nothing. Send them home. No, it's too far. And he took a small amount of food and miraculously expanded it, grew it. And he fed four thousand people that day. But those multitudes, even though they had followed him now for three days, their real purpose he revealed, you're not following me because of what I'm teaching. You're following me because I'm going to feed you. These followers were not True followers. The Pharisees arrived on scene and they said, why don't you show us a sign that you are who you say you are? They weren't true followers. The signs were apparent. But they didn't see them. This led Jesus to a situation where he had to rebuke his disciples. They left that side of the sea and went to the other side. And Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. And all the disciples thought, wait a minute, he is upset with us because we didn't bring food to eat they were following Jesus but they didn't understand. They weren't seeing the true meaning of what was being presented before them. I'm not talking about their food. I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about their teaching, Jesus said. You beware of that. But there were at least some people who knew Jesus. And who understood what he could and would do. Probably friends of this blind man brought him to Jesus so that Jesus could make him see. They obviously knew that he could. They obviously knew that he would. But in this case, after healing him, Jesus said to the blind man, you go home. You don't follow me. You go home. Interesting. Jesus then said, By the way, all of these multitudes, all of these people, you're hearing them. Who do they say that I am? Well, some say you're Jeremiah or Elijah, maybe one of the prophets, maybe John the baptizer, come back to life as well. Fine. But who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Christ. The Son of the living God. After that confession of Peter, Jesus revealed to those disciples, my time is coming. I'm going to be killed. And I will be here no more. And that led to the discussion starting in verse 34. The context that we have just seen in the writing of Mark was leading to this point. And after seeing the multitudes and after seeing all of these different people and the Pharisees, the disciples' own thoughts and words, now it's time. Now it's time to think about the soul. The lesson is entitled The Exchange Rate for the Soul. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Think for a minute about the soul. The meat of The sermon that I read was about this point, and he made three really great points asking his audience to consider the soul. When you think about exchange rate, you're talking about currency from one country to another. And that currency has value based on the country of its origin. This is our money and this is our value of our money. Jesus is about to discuss an exchange rate. But the currency is the soul. Think with me about the value of the soul. The value of the soul is its boundless incapacity. There are no limits to the capacity of the soul. We think about the soul. We're thinking about that which is now enshrined in a physical body. But the soul is not physical. And there are no bounds to its capacity. And he gave these thoughts. One... There are no bounds to the capacity of research for the soul, he said. And I quote, Climb the summit of the Mount of the Beatitudes where the blessedness itself has built its tabernacle. The depths of those simple words and the beatitudes of Jesus speak to the idea that the soul is limitless in its capacity to research, to plumb the depths. No matter where you are and what generation you come to, And you come to a time in life when new things are discovered, new innovations. Once you arrive at that newness, you are merely on the shore of more discovery and more innovation. And the soul is limitless in its research. It's not confined to this world. There is something out there drawing the soul to limitless research. And Colossians 2 and verse 3 says that it is all about God who in His boundless wisdom and knowledge We are reaching, and the soul longs for the boundless depths of the knowledge of God. That's what it wants. That's what it's looking for. It is boundless in its capacity to experience joy. No matter how great something is, something else can be even greater. Those of us who have had children. In that first child you go, how is it possible to experience something greater than the connection and the joy of this child? There can't be anything greater. And then you have another one and you go, whoa, my soul can expand to have even more joy. Some souls just keep expanding. Three, four, five, six, seven. Limitless in its capacity to feel joy Peter said we rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. The soul longs to be in the boundless place of infinite joy. It's not wanting to stay here. Its draw is out there. But even in this side of things, the soul has the capacity to experience boundless pain. I watched a documentary of a crime situation and the mother was interviewed and said uh, when called about her son who had been killed she said I can't do this again because two weeks before she had lost her daughter but she found a way to handle it and I think of some of our own situations. I can't imagine the pain of Carolyn Middleton who lost her husband and all three sons in this life. But the soul she had sustained her. And so the soul can handle the pain. Because as Peter, or as Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this life is temporary, but we're looking to that which is permanent. This light affliction, which is but for a moment, the soul understands, and it will support the pain. It will deal with the problems. Because the soul is not confined here. The soul isn't resident here. The soul has a residence elsewhere. In its capacity. Number two, it is boundless. In its duration. The soul can handle all of this. Because... This is temporary. But as the Ecclesiastes writer said in chapter 12 and verse 7, then the body will be turned to the dust from which it came, and the spirit, the soul, will return to God who gave it. And the soul looks for that permanency of the other place. And the soul is boundless in its worth. Boundless in its worth. God so loved the world, every soul, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And of that duration he said, fathom the eternality of God and then you can fathom the immortality of the human soul. Multiplied ages do not bear as much relation to eternity as one grain of sand does to the entire bulk of the ages. And of the soul's worth, he said, what would you give for a clean record and a clear conscience. The exchange rate says you take this currency from this place and you take it to that place. And the exchange rate is set by the country of destination. When I went to Guyana, one American dollar bought 200 Guyanese. So when you go to McDonald's, And it costs a thousand. It freaks you out. But that's $5 American. When you go on a journey, you're taking the currency of this country and you're exchanging it for the currency of this one. And the country of destination decides the rate. The soul's country of destination has decided the rate of exchange. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel, the same will save it. The exchange rate's been set. To transfer the currency of the soul from this place of residence... To that one? Costs everything. Can't hold anything back. Can't change the value. Can't change the rate. But then when I was there, There was always a chance to barter. Well, you say this is the exchange rate, but you know what? I don't want to pay that. Will you take this? And if you stay long enough and wait enough, they just want to sell. And eventually you'll agree upon a price. A price from the bartering. But in the exchange rate of this life to that one, there's no bartering. Because Jesus asks, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses a soul? What if I barter with the devil? I'll fall down and worship you. If you'll give me all the kingdoms of this world. What's been gained? Nothing. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? The bartering won't work. When we begin to barter with Jesus, we lose. When we barter with the devil, we lose. Tonight we're going to think about what it means to be ashamed of Jesus. That's the next verse. Maybe Jesus is saying, you barter because you're really ashamed of me. Maybe all these multitudes of people who don't really follow me, they're ashamed of me. What does it mean to be ashamed of Jesus? I want to close with his words. What would you give to hear Jesus say, come to my kingdom? And then he encouraged his hearers. Fly from your life, fly to your life. His closing words were these When I think that your soul and mine. In this brief span of earthly being, is plumbing for this immortal flight. I feel like asking, What would you exchange for your soul? Jesus wants an answer. When you come to him, it's turning it all over. May we have that desire and the commitment to follow through if you're ready to be a part of his family. Will you meet our shepherds here? Let's stand and sing together.